advisors who believe that you needed to add to trusting Jesus as Savior, add circumcision to it, the law, to be able to be saved. And he said, if anybody could glory in their own flesh, he said, I could if I wanted to. He wasn't doing it, but he said anybody could if they wanted to. And uh, he said in verse 4 of Philippians chapter 3, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof, that he might trust in the flesh, I more. I could if I wanted to. I'm not because we're not saved by our works. We're saved by grace through faith. He says, I'm, I'm not putting confidence in my flesh. But he said, I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. I'm a real Jew. Uh, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Not only was he raised by Hebrew parents, but he spoke the language as touching the law, a Pharisee. I mean, I was zealous. He, he, he says in verse 6, concerning zeal. I mean, just I, I, all, I obeyed all the, the law. Matter of fact, the strictness of the law like a Pharisee. And he says, persecuting the church. He said, I was opposed to what I'm now a part of. Touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. I mean, you could not put, as far as before I was saved, as far as being a Jew, you could not put your finger on a major area of flaw in my life. He knew that was not what saved him. But notice he says in verse 7, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. This was accounting terms. We talked about him being an accountant where he's talking about profit and, and loss he said, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. And he called him his Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I might win Christ. And being found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, just by the way, a pile of filthy rags, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God, by faith in that great exchange of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He, he took our, our sin upon himself and gave us his righteousness. Praise the Lord for that great exchange. Then he says, that I may know him. He already knew him in salvation. He said, I want to know him better, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might obtain unto the resurrection of the dead. Here a word that we pointed out last week. That word resurrection is only used that one time in the New Testament. It refers to separated from the corpse. We, we would say the rapture of the church. He was looking for the soon return of Jesus Christ. And now our text beginning in verse 12. Not as though I had already attained. Either were already perfect or mature or complete but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. This text is pointing us to striving or pressing for the mark or pressing for the prize. It's, he's now, last week he was using accounting terms now he's using the terms of an athlete. He says I press toward the mark as a runner. I'm a sports fan. I like, I like sports. I don't, it can become a god if you're not careful with it. But he's pointing out to these Judaizers 
who were thinking that they were already complete, he said, I haven't arrived yet. I'm not all that the Lord wants me to be yet, as none of us are as well. But he says, but I'm pressing. I'm pressing toward the mark. Several years ago, Josh Pate, who uh, was in my church, by the way, we heard from Josh this week, and they're doing well, sent some pictures of the uh, visitation that they had yesterday morning and the village there. But uh, his brother, Stephen, who is now a pilot and teaches people to fly in Greenville, Stephen decided uh, our church was across the street from the Northwest Family YMCA on Kennerly Road in Irmo, Columbia, South Carolina. And so Stephen said, I, I'm going to join a, a team of adults that's going to play flag football. And uh, he was using it as an outreach to get to know some unsaved people so he could give the gospel out. And uh, he met on that team uh, somebody that was very fast in running. His name is Alan Johnson. Alan Johnson is a 100-meter gold medalist in 1996 at the Summer Olympic Games in Atlanta. And if you go on a YouTube and, and uh, Google search Alan Johnson, you could watch him run many races through the world, winning races uh, at, in the 100-meter hurdles especially. He, uh, became, he was an assistant coach at University of South Carolina, uh, and uh, then he went uh, and now is the uh, uh, coach of the sprinters at uh, NC State in, uh, in Raleigh. But that fella came to a, a men's night that we had at the church. We had a men's stakeout, and we had played you know, different games, and we had a good meal, and then had somebody get up and preach the gospel. Alan didn't receive Christ. He lived down the road from the church in a very expensive neighborhood. He didn't come to know Christ as Savior, but he heard the gospel. And I asked him, I said, Alan, could I, could I take you out to eat lunch one day? So we went to Fats when they were still open and um, took him out. And at that meal, I, I presented the gospel again to Alan. He said, I, I don't think so. I don't know that he ever got saved, but I can tell you that fellow knew how to run. And if you watch him run, when he got to the end, he leaned forward toward that tape, breaking that tape on the 100-meter hurdles. Just like you and I, he's using that kind of terms, Paul is, that we're to press, we're to, we're to, we're, we're to be really all out and running for the Lord Jesus Christ and pursuing Christ likeness. In our church, I've had uh, people that have run marathons and half marathons. Uh, my own son, John, and his wife, Sarah, uh, have run the Marine Corps marathon a couple of times. Uh, Seth and Jessica Litzenberger, uh, uh, uncles here, uh, Jessica's. Uncle, aunt are here, part of our church, Jessica and Seth. We've gone to Myrtle Beach and watched them run. Uh, Aaron and Whitney Burke and their uh, children, my son-in-law, uh, my brother-in-law, rather, who was a dean at Columbia International University, CIU, recently retired. He's run the Boston Marathon three times. You have to qualify for that. 
fellow in my church uh, named Bill. I had opportunity to lead him and his wife to Christ and baptized him. Uh, he's run Boston two or three times. He told me that when they got married, he and his wife got married, that he had more miles on his tennis shoes than his wife had on her car. <laughs> I, um, I've run to the mailbox a few times and back, <laughs> but I've uh, never run a marathon. But I can tell you when they run, they pursue a goal. They, they set out, and I remember when my son said, I, Daddy, I, 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 he was in seminary, he said, I want to I run a marathon. And he, he would set out goals that he was going to start running so much uh, and walking and running and walking and running and then running and so many miles this week and then so many miles next week and over a period of about 13, 14 weeks, he was training to run that marathon. When he, we saw him when he came across the finish line there, uh, at, the, at the Marine Corps Marathon, and, uh, and, and he had turned green, buddy. That boy, I mean, he was green looking. I thought, man, I don't know what the hell he's going to make it or not. But he did, but he had a goal. And you and I, in that same pursuit of running, ought to run to pursue Christ-likeness in our own life. We think, well, Jesus saved me, and it's all going to just work out. It is going to work out as far as where we're going to spend eternity but he's trying to work in our life to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. And he's wanting us to be in the word and in prayer and in fellowship with other Christians and, and begin to do that and take effort at it. We'll talk about that in just a moment. He had given up much to gain, we saw in Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 11. Throughout the Bible, Paul uses terms about athletic events several times and we won't look at them this morning, but 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he uses terms about boxing and running. Ephesians chapter 6, he refers to wrestling. Uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 24, refers to a race uh, that's run. And here, he's using the event of a runner running in a race and, and pursuing, stretching toward the prize at the very end. Spiritually, it takes effort. But we know that the effort that we're uh, doing and, and running for Jesus Christ is all by the grace of God. It is by the strength and power of God as well. I love Colossians chapter 1. If you'll turn over there with me, Colossians chapter 1. It says at the end of that chapter, beginning in verse 27, to whom God would make known... What is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I love that phrase. Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect or mature or complete in Christ Jesus. But verse 29, whereunto I also labor, term meaning uh, we're working to the point of exhaustion. I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. It's not our work. He's the one giving grace and strength and power to be able to do it. But he's asked us to, to pursue Christ's likeness, to continue in our spiritual effort for him. Psalm 42 talks about the deer panting after the water brook. Soul panteth by soul after thee, O God. This is a lifelong process 
a lifelong process called progressive sanctification. This is not for our salvation. We trusted Jesus, repenting of our sin and placing our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But then he's working in us, Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. He's predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. And he's working in us through the word of God and by the spirit of God to make us more like the son of God. But it's a lifelong process of growing and changing to be like Jesus Christ. And by the way, when we get older, I mean, be 72 here a couple of months or 73, you don't retire from this process. You don't retire from this process of pursuing to be like Jesus True Christians will want to grow. True Christians will want to change. Matter of fact, Peter says, as newborn babes desire the sincere miracle, the word that ye may grow thereby. And then the command given at the end of 2 Peter chapter 3, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's not an option, it's a command. He said, I want you to grow to be like Jesus Christ. This is the, the terms he's using in this passage is the, the pursuit of pressing toward the mark of receiving uh, sanctification, the process of being made like Jesus. It produces joy. It shows that we're truly saved. Our pursuit of Jesus Christ shows that we're glorifying him. Letting Christ light shine through our lives helping us to grow to be like Christ and helping others to grow to be like him. Witnessing to a lost and dying world, sharing the gospel, a changed life speaks volumes. Perfect life? No. Saved life? Yes. But we're pressing. We're pressing toward the mark. Philippians 1.6 says, He that hath begun a good work in you, will perform it under the day of Jesus Christ. And what God starts in us, he's going to finish. Whatever he starts, he's going to finish. Notice what he says there in chapter 3, Philippians and verse 12. Not as though I had already attained. I've not arrived. I am not where I ought to be spiritually. I mean, Paul had been saved about 30 years when he wrote the book of Philippians. I mean, his life had completely changed and was still changing. But he said, look, I haven't arrived yet. I haven't fully attained. He said, either we're already perfect. I'm not everything God wants me to be yet. Now, there are some people who believe that you and I can reach a place down here of sinless perfection. Uh, I can show you in their own life probably why they haven't done so. Dr. Jack McCormick, he used to teach at uh, Tennessee Temple. When Tennessee Temple was open, Jack McCormick taught, and I heard him preach one time in a Bible conference. And he said, uh, he talked just like this, a good old Southern boy. He said, I'll tell you one thing, the only way you and I are ever going to be able to live above sin is to rent a room over a pool hall. He said, that's the only way we're going to be able to live above sin. You and I are not going to be able to reach sinless perfection down here. One day we'll be just like Jesus. We will be with him and see him face to face. But he's still working in our lives to make us more and more like himself. He said, I've not already attained, neither were already perfect or mature, but I follow after. That's a, that's a word that means pursue. I, I'm making this a pursuit. By the way, 
Some people don't realize this, but when we got saved, one of the terms that's used in the New Testament for a Christian is a follower of Jesus. What do followers of Jesus do? They follow Jesus. They follow him. And here's a pursuit. I said, I follow after. I, I am pursuing that if I, uh, he say, may apprehend that one day I may grasp and be what God has wanted me to be. He said, I apprehend that for which I am also apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. He said, I, I haven't arrived spiritually yet, but God wants me to. And so we see the perspective that he looks at. Not yet, he says. When I get to be with Jesus, I will. I'll be like him. Better Christians, they realize through a process all along the way that God is working. And they are, they are pursuing by their time in the word and prayer and fellowship and telling others about the Savior. You say, well, preacher, I'm not what I ought to be, so I guess I ought to quit. No, we don't quit. We just keep pursuing. Paul, Paul said, said, I press. I'm, 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 I'm pursuing. I haven't accomplished all that I ought to be. I don't have all the prize that I know that he wants me to have yet. And I haven't. One day I'll stand before him. Every one of us shall give account of himself to God, the judgment seat of Christ, those of us that know Jesus. And one day I'll hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I haven't arrived to be what God wants me to be yet. As you and I realize more and more that we need to grow, we realize how short we are being what God wants us to be. The closer we get to Jesus, the more we realize how far away we really are to being what we ought to be. So I see the perspective. I see the pursuit that he made. I follow after. I press on. I'm aggressively pursuing. I want, I'm working at it. Somebody says, well, we, we do this in counseling. We'll give somebody a, a, an assignment, a, a small assignment. No, I'm not talking about something unreal. Uh, we'll, we'll give them a small uh, assignment. I want you to read these two chapters and I want you to write down something about what you've learned there and we'll meet with you next week. They come back next week. Have you read the chapter? No, I hadn't read the chapters. Have you written down anything? No, I, I just didn't have time to, to do that. And so after you do it a couple of times, you say, look, I, I think we're wasting our time. I think we're wasting our time here. Because if you're not putting in effort, if you're not pursuing aggressively to be what Jesus wants you to be, we're wasting time here. And do you know that in our own lives, I look at this, I'm, I'm semi-retired from being a pastor May the 21st. I told another pastor that had retired out in Kansas, Abilene, Kansas, uh, Carson Johnson. I sold Carson. I said, Carson. You've been my friend for a long time, but I can tell you one of the struggles I had, that when I was pastoring, I stayed here, had to be in the book, not only for my own spiritual growth, but for the messages and all that I was preparing. But I said, when you get retired, you have to force yourself to say, look, I've got to keep growing. I've got to keep pursuing. God is still trying to change me after 52 years of being saved. He's still working on me. We don't quit. We press on. We press on. And Paul said, I follow after. I'm pursuing. I want what Christ is pursuing in me to be like him. 
as we start goals, thinking even now, folks say, well, I'm, I may start, preacher. You know what the most read book is in the New Testament? Matthew. Because people start in January the 1st, I'm going to read through the New Testament this year, and they read Matthew, and then they quit. And then they start the next year, and they read Matthew, and then they quit. And so Matthew is read over and over and over again. You say, well, preacher, I'm going to have some new goals. New goals with my Bible reading, my Sunday school attendance, my Sunday morning attendance, my Sunday night attendance, my Wednesday night church attendance, my finances I'm going to lose some weight. I'm going to do this or that. I've lost over 1,000 pounds in my life. I have. <laughs> and we'll always wait and say, well, we'll do it January the 1st. Why not start today? And if we haven't been pursuing Christ-likeness, start today. Start today. He said, I follow after, I pursue being what Christ wants me to be. This is not for his salvation. Our salvation is by grace through faith. But this is to be more like Jesus. Notice he says in verse 13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this is key here, but this one thing I do. We are so busy today. We've got so many things going that we forget that there's a priority of being like Jesus. I've often preached on this passage in the past and I would say, Paul said this one thing I do, not these 12 things I dabble in. He had one pursuit. He knew that he had other responsibilities, but he said, I'm going to make a priority out of my time in the word. I'm going to make a priority out of my time in prayer. I'm going to make a priority of being in God's house when I need to be there. I'm going to make a priority of serving Jesus in some ministry that God has called me to because I know that Christ is using that to make me more like himself. I press. I'm pressing toward the mark. This one thing I do. And notice this phrase. Forgetting those things which are behind. He's not talking about, we, we can't forget everything. I, I tell people at 72, almost 73 years of age, I can't tell you what I had for breakfast yesterday. But there are some sins of my past I can remember for 60 years. It's not that I consciously will be forgetting, but I don't want to go back there and live there in my mind. I say that about churches. Sometimes I can look at a church and they'll tell me, preacher, they, we want to grow. They said, we'd like to be like we were back in 1985. I'll just make that number up. Uh, back in 1985, preacher, we want to go back. I wish we had seven buses that we ran uh, back then. We had Pack-A-Pew Sunday every other Sunday and uh, Preacher, I mean, just if we could just go back to when Pastor So-and-so was our preacher. In many cases, Pastor So-and-so's dead. And some churches are living in the past. They're living in the past. We need to learn from our past. We need to appreciate our past. But we need to live for Jesus now. 
We need to live for Jesus now. In my own life, everybody has a story. I've got a story. Some things I did, I'm very ashamed of. When I went off to college at Clemson, back this was war moratorium days. We were as an Air Force ROTC. There were things we did on Friday and Saturday night I'm very ashamed of. But can I tell you, I look out here over this congregation, I have not seen a halo over anybody's head yet. Did you know that every one of us have a story? The story is called Amazing Grace. It's called Amazing Grace. The Lord took me from where I was and saved my wretched soul. And he's not, I'm not what I ought to be 52 years later, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. And we, we're to forget those things which are behind. We, I, don't, I don't want to go back and live there again. But there are some people today who cannot get victory in their own life because they're still living in their past. They're still living in their past. Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth, reaching forth unto those things which are before. I tell people often, I'll have men come. Uh, Laura's daddy, Larry Harris, met him on visitation. He's a newcomer to Sherrall, South Carolina. I heard about it, saw their license tag was different than South Carolina. I knocked on the apartment door. And Larry comes to the door in his pajamas. Introduced, he said, come on in, preacher. And I came in. He told me that he recently was teaching a class in Southern Baptist Church, Sunday school class, and trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior. And he said, uh, but preacher, I've got a story. I've got a past about me. And here's what I told him. We met every Friday six o'clock in the morning for discipleship and we met for two years. He later became a deacon in the church, that church. I said, I don't really care where you've been. I don't really care what you've done. I want to know which way you're headed now. What are you pursuing now? What has the grace of God done in your life now? He said, forgetting those things what you're behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before us. We're all broken people. You say, preacher, somebody comes in this church with tattoos all over them, so many piercings on them, it looked like they fell into a fishing tackle box. Preacher, could we, could we have them come in and sit in this building? Absolutely. We're all broken people saved by the grace of God. He says, I'm forgetting those things which are behind. I'm reaching forth to those things which are before. And then verse 14, I press. I love it. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He remembers the goal. I lived, uh, we pastored in Sherrall, South Carolina, 19 miles from Rockingham. 
30 miles from Darlington, 60 miles from Charlotte. I didn't hardly meet a person over there that wasn't a NASCAR fan. And uh, I said to this goal that Paul said, he put his pedal to the metal. He said, we're going. We're going to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, not in my own strength, but in his. Not in my own power, but in his, and only by the grace of God. I'm going to press toward the mark. How about you if you say, preacher, <laughs> I'm not reading my Bible. Uh, I don't pray as much as I really ought to, and I'm not in church when, on the days that, that I should be. Now, what's interesting in the ministry when we preachers talk to each other now, sometimes that's dangerous. They'll say, well, so-and-so's coming to the church, and they want us to call them faithful. Years ago, a person was faithful if they came 50 out of 52 Sundays. But now, if they come once a month, they want you to call them faithful. That doesn't sound like pressing to the mark to me, to you. I mean, we've changed the words, wording for what the term faithful means. He said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Luke told us in Luke chapter 6, no man putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. How many of you have plowed a mule with a mule before? How many? Yeah, I see some hands up out there. Okay. Um, I didn't plow with a mule, did drive a tractor, but he said, Daddy said, gee and haw, get those mules. He said, but if you were plowing and you continually look back to see whether that row was straight or not, then the row you're going to have is going to look just like that. We cannot, we can forget the past in the sense that we're not going to live there anymore. But we better be looking. He said they'd, they'd set a, a tree, maybe a tree over on the other side of the field. And he said, we're going to plow that that." plow with that mule. He said, we're going to go right toward that tree over there and you better keep your focus on that tree or you're going to have a row that just looks just like this. You and I have got a goal down there. It's being like Jesus and we better keep our eyes on it. He said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He is wanting me to be like him. It's for God's glory our gain with God is to be more like him. Paul said at the end of his life, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. He pressed toward the mark. Even at the end, verse 15, he says, let us therefore as many as be perfect or mature or complete be thus minded that we're, that we're going to know that this is the way we ought to be living. We ought to be pursuing being more like Christ and whatever it takes to do it. Let us be thus minded. If anything be ye otherwise minded, if, if some of you don't believe that that's what we're supposed to be doing, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereunto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. The word walk is a military term. Get in line. Get in line. 
He said it's going to take some discipline. Line up. Get in line. Let us walk by the same rule. And here's the rule, the word of God. Let us mind the same things. We saw that in the, when we preached on the very first Sunday I was here. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It, it's a word that means attitude. Let this attitude be in you. Let this attitude be the same so that we're thinking the same thing. We're all pursuing and we're working not only ourselves, but helping others to grow spiritually, pursuing that goal of being like Christ. I press toward the mark. Proper mindset. We're in this race together. We have been perfect or mature or complete in our position through the blood of the Lord Jesus and trusting him. But he wants us to be perfect or mature in our practice, our daily life. Maturing Christians will use the word of God, realizing the spirit of God and fellowship with other Christians and even correction, a spiritual spanking along the way that God gives us will help us to be more like him. And then he says, I want you to be consistent. He says, nevertheless, whereunto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us, let us mind the same things. Somebody said that in this passage of scripture, God is trying to change our focus, our forgetting, and our following. Our focus our forgetting, and our following. This one thing I do. Keep running in your lane. Keep pursuing Christ-likeness. Hebrews chapter 12. Many of you know this by heart, but let's look over there. Hebrews chapter 12. Verses 1 and 2. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses. I mean, there's people in the stands that have gone on before us. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience or endurance the race that is set before us. But here's the key. Verse 2. The goal, looking unto Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Keep your eyes on Jesus. We're pursuing him. We're desiring to be like our Savior. Press, press toward the mark. Let's bow for prayer. Father, Help us to finish well. Help us to press toward the mark, the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray today if there's those in, in my own life, there was conviction in my own heart as I studied this week. Lord, I need to be in the word more. I need to be in prayer more. Faithful in services of the church faithful to be a soul winner. God, I pray that you would help us. This one thing we do, we're getting those things which are behind, pressing forth of those things which are before. Help us, Lord, 
to press toward the mark of Christ-likeness. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Josh. Decided to follow Jesus.